0: G'day, folks. Welcome here to uh, a very exciting episode, something that uh, I'd like to be doing more and more and more of. Uh, and I thought there is no better way to kick this off than with a hobby hero, a Warhammer hero, the lore master himself, uh, a man of many armies, most that he doesn't own because he flips them, yep. uh, probably doesn't need any introduction. It is Doug from Two Plus Tough. How are you, good, sir?
1: Hey, everybody. I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me.
0: It's a, a, an honor and a privilege, and <laughs> I'll get you to, to sign my screen at some point, uh, and and imagine that I've got that forever as a uh, like a memorable moment for, for this. bit. Um, do you want to do a better introduction to yourself than that botched attempt? I thought it was okay. Uh,
1: yeah, um, uh, yeah. So I'm I'm Doug. I have a channel called Two Plus Tough on YouTube. We talk all about um, mostly games, workshop games lore, but I've been dipping my toe in some of the stuff too. Uh, mostly, most famously, I guess, around Age of Sigmar. It started when, when most folks uh, hated the game and didn't think there was lore <laughs> and uh, just kind of kept going.
0: And you've been doing it for a number of years now, very <clears> successful. <throat> uh, if you are watching this video and you haven't subscribed to Doug yet, do yourself a favor and hit that subscribe button. It oh, is some, some of the best videos on, on Age of Sigmar and in other games as well. Um, and. Uh, I think that, that point you just made was perfect, and that is around the purpose of today and the focus of mm-hmm. today is very much going to be around the law of Age of Sigmar. And I know, Doug, mm-hmm. yourself, you've probably been in a very situ- similar situation where we're hearing a lot of things like um, there's not a lot of law in Age of Sigmar. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, we have a fantasy, you know, has all the law and, you know, Age of Sigmar is just, you know, pretzels and and beers or it's it's not as, you know, not, yeah. not as interesting. Yeah. A lot has happened over the last mm-hmm. couple of years. We're entering almost year five of Age of Sigma, and a lot has happened. Um, sure. So I thought this would be a good discussion that we could have around the the, the, the world. Let's explore the world. Let me yeah. understand. Like, if I'm coming back from Warhammer Fantasy, if mm-hmm. I'm someone who's like, look, I've just got, my, I, I'm, I'm just a player. I don't read the books. Um, how do I how do I understand the world? Is really what I'd like from today.
1: For sure. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a fantastic way to start and I actually get it frequently. Um, what I would say is there's two ways to approach it. You can either like try to go backwards in time and catch up with like all the developments, or you can just cannonball into where we are now in the story. And there's no real wrong answer to that one. Um, I have a, a playlist on my channel that I want to direct folks to. If you go like to my main channel, it literally says just start here. And that's just, it's just stuff to get you caught up with the main story arc. Um, But as far as like your question, as far as like, you know, where does someone start? uh, I would definitely say if you want to start from the beginning, um, the Gate Wars was a really cool campaign series that really fleshed out a lot of stuff. And then Mm -hmm. if you want to just jump right in uh, Soul Wars by Josh Reynolds is a killer book, like just straight up.
0: There's some awesome books, and I I think we'll get to a bit more about resources a bit later. Oh, for sure, yeah. No, 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 that's a really good start. And, guys, um, if your Google foo is not that strong, uh, after this show is over, I will link um, that playlist over so you guys can start getting across uh, how to get started in the mortal realms because... Certainly, if, 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 the, if it wasn't as robust, um, Doug, I don't know how you would have lasted four or five years of making videos <laughs> almost on a daily basis on literally nothing because it is deep, it is rich, yeah. uh, and and now is a great time to get involved, whether it is uh, with the stories that you make yourself or just getting a part of the existing stories that Games Games Workshop's putting in front of us.
1: For sure. Yeah, it's, um, it's a good time because we're kind of in this... Uh... This, this like good breathing period between chapters, you know, if they kind of, I don't know if you guys ever watched like Dragon Ball Z, but they have like these big sagas where it's like, this is the main arc for this year, basically, and then the next one and so forth. So we're kind of in the middle of one of those, which is awesome, because mm. it makes it really easy to onboard. Uh,
0: yeah. So let's let's maybe start very high level. Let's imagine sure. uh, I'm getting into Age of Sigma, or maybe I'm a Warhammer Fantasy player who is now thinking about you know dipping my toes into the new world, which is Age of Sigma. Mm-hmm. What is that high level overview story like? What is the Age of Sigma, uh, and what's that high level understanding I need to to, to get before I kind of go a bit deeper?
1: Yeah. So uh, the way I have explained to people is that at um, in the end times when there was a huge campaign for fantasy battles chaos one and what Age of sigmar is is fundamentally um the last uh, i guess like refugees remnants of light uh, of anything that's not chaos pushing back uh the high level story is that uh chaos came into the the mortal realms there's basically a realm for each wind of magic um the uh, games workshop did a great video kind of explaining those and uh Chaos just swept through all of them. I mean, it was just a wildfire. And so all the good guys went and retreated in one realm, Azir, which is um, magic of heavens and where Sigmar himself lives. And so the, the story arc is they come out of Azir with the, with the point being to retake the realms back for the good guys. Mm um one thing that is really interesting perspective wise and it was in the slaves to darkness battle tome is that we're seeing all these books come out for order armies so good guys and they're all kicking tail and they're all amazing and then the perspective is from that we get from that battle tome is like but those are just pinpricks of light in a sea of darkness like all intents and purposes chaos is still winning uh but the story is us just pushing back a little bit Mm -hmm. and so the first Year of AOS was a campaign series called the Gate Wars, which was the, the re-entry of the good guys back into all the other realms. Uh, and it was cool. They had some really awesome characters. Um, there was some cool uh, stuff that frankly, I, I didn't see fantasy battles do a lot. And by that I mean there's a specific character named Torglug who's a Nurgle uh, leader who mm-hmm. finds redemption and becomes a good guy. And stuff like that. Like There's, there's character development and, and that kind of thing. Um... And then the the series that we're kind of in right now, uh, which is called, it goes by a few names, but Malign Sorcery uh, or Soul War something like that. Uh, It's not just good guys and bad guys fighting for the realms. There's also two other factions. There's Destruction, which is all orcs and goblins and ogres and all these things that just want to not have any masters. So they hate chaos, but they also hate the good guys because they want to tell them how to live their lives. And then there's death, which is, uh, Nagash who just thinks that he should be in charge. (laughs) And so, uh, the current arc we're in right now is, um, so the first year was good guys versus bad guys, order versus chaos. And then the second year is Nagash saying, I don't want either of you in charge. And so he makes a power play Mm. that has big implications on the realms. And so that's what, that's the current thing right now is death is ascendant, um, and everybody else, all the other three ones, order, chaos, destruction are all on the back foot trying to reel with what Nagash is doing.
0: It's interesting because, um, uh, you know, when you start reading the stories in the early days of Age of Sigmar when um, everyone was fighting back against chaos, you'd probably mm-hmm. imagine that someone like Nagash, who is the Lord of Death, would be on the side of chaos and trying to fight, you know, Sigmar and Alariel and all mm-hmm. the different you know, good guys. Well, first yeah. off, order isn't good. Yes, uh, order, is order, order is not good. Uh, and it's fascinating when you start reading stories i I'll never forget the story um in there was a little little kind of season of campaign called the uh, malign Portents. yep um, we'll talk a bit more about that later but I'll never forget this story where um there was these two generic humans their free guilt the generic humans you know I think it was like a dad and a, and a, and a son uh mm-hmm. the son was of age you know like a fighting age and I think maybe they were like dad was a bit sick. And yeah. I remember to this day, you know, they, um, they were trying to defend their house. I believe it was against Nurgle, or it might be Nurgle corruption. Mm-hmm. And then you know, they had a little crossbow, kind of defending their little house. And um, the storm case came in, and you'd imagine the Stormcast would come in and help the humans. Yes. But actually, they came in and destroyed the, um, the, the the father and son because they had been cursed by Nurgle. Mm-hmm. And you know, in the minds of the Stormcast, they're getting rid of that disease. But in if you were good, you probably yes. would have tried to have saved as many humors as possible, no matter yep. what their stance was. And I think for me, that was where I'm like, yeah, stormcast aren't good. It's just in, in the eye of the beholder. Yeah.
1: Um, Which Vince Finchella what... hates, by the way. I'm just going to throw that out there.
0: <laughs> the he, eye hates of the beholder, the...
1: he hates the moral gray. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I, it's, it's fascinating, right? Because, you know, I, yeah. I did come from the War Fantasy days. And the Empire at least for me, was good, right? You yeah, know, I've got probably, the yeah. Realm of Chaos at the top of me. I've got the Beastmen trying to attack <laughs> Kislev. Uh, the Empire is at last, uh, you know, defenders. Uh, mm-hmm. And if they break through the Empire, they're going to hit Bretonnia. They're going to hit, you know, um, the, 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 the Wood Elves. Yeah. Um, so they were always good. Um, but it's really great now. Um, you know, Nagash could be yeah. the good guy. Um, and in some justifications, you're probably looking at, yeah, you know what, you've been screwed over a little bit. <laughs> uh, and is actually the bad guy, so it's it's. I think that's what makes uh, the the narrative so fascinating, and we all bring a different perception to the realms. And
1: yeah, there's a lot um, there's a lot going on faction to faction. So like, yeah, order does not mean good. It it just basically means you are against chaos, which is kind of the only unifying thing for some of these little sub factions. Um, one thing I like is, uh, I was actually talking to my friend Shu, who's on uh, Reorling Ones, and we were talking about the different factions where uh, so you have on one end order, on the other end, chaos. But then you have death and destruction, and death is fundamentally it is an order faction. If you think about it, it's just the Nagash's order. Like, it's just mm. it's one mind who wants to have, you know, total from top-down control, domination, and has his vision. So it is order. It's very structured. It's just you know, single management. Um, whereas uh, destruction as a grand alliance, it does teeter towards the, the chaos side by throwing down kings and emperors and all those kinds of stuff and being wild, but they don't want to be dominated. Like chaos wants to dominate things. Mm-hmm. And so everyone kind of has these different shades of other factions that are really, really interesting. Um, and then how some of those individual armies play within that is actually quite, it, it's, it's awesome it's just really cool stuff
0: yeah super fascinating and i think that's why i wanted to do this video it's it's like it is rich it is yeah. detailed um you know if you are watching this live or you watch it very early you know many of us are going to be spending time at our house right now for obvious <laughs> yeah. reasons so this is a good time to be going out and exploring the world you know mm-hmm. picking up a battle tome and looking for stories picking mm-hmm. up an audio book and there's a lot you guys can kind of really dig into um sure. to, to understand that narrative so um Okay, that's that's the high level story, and we can kind of dig deep into a lot more of it. And yeah, um, let's do it. no, that's that's great because because again, you know, I, I get a lot of people at, um, who ask me about, you know, they're coming from Total War and they want to understand, you know, well, that's mm-hmm. kind of Warhammer, this is different. Like, how 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 do they all kind of come about? There are some similar characters, and some of them are very different. So, so I guess the next question I wanted to ask was around. Oh, yeah the milestones is like, you know, well, we've talked, you know, this mm. very, very deep breadth of stuff that's happened. Mm-hmm. What are some of those key milestones that I might want to learn about, um, you know, for me as a as a generic human free guild player, yeah. um, what, one that was very important to me was something called the Season of War, which was this like global fighting mm-hmm. narrative that we all participated in. And for off sure. the backs of that, the results for, um, uh, dictated the narrative and we actually got... What is now the cities of Sigmar? Because order won, and we're mm-hmm. able to kind of clear the clear the hordes and and build some cities without chaos kind of stopping us. So yeah, that's just one of the stories. I think. What's the what are some of the other milestones that maybe I need to know about?
1: Well, um, piggybacking off that, one thing I want to touch on is when we think of the seasons of war campaign, a lot of people are like, oh, this is like cities of Sigmar because it's the cities that were in that campaign, which is true. Uh, at the same time, however, like the I think the clearest. One to one result of that campaign was that Zinch gained ascendancy, because the idea was city or uh, cities' order was triumphant, and because they you know stood the test of time. Instead of frontal assaults by like corn, it was the insidious stuff that got into the cities from the bottom up, and so it was actually uh, in their battle home. It was it was the it was the kind of direct follow up to that campaign, which was super rad. Um, as far as uh, seasons of war. That was a big one because that's when Alariel came back. Um, her, she came back, and then the, and then the campaign series started, where you could use her, which was awesome. Uh, beyond that, they other big ones. Malign Portent was a huge one, where basically Nagash's power play that we talked about before, where he didn't want to be owned by anybody, was uh, to build a giant black pyramid made out of like solidified death magic. And he was basically going to kill everyone and then resurrect them under his will at once. And so he would just have this instant amazing army and be able to fight chaos and push them back because demons wouldn't be affected. And so that was his plan. It kind of backfired because Skaven uh, got involved. And it only kind of worked to where it didn't kill everybody, but it did raise a bunch of uh ghosties and zombies and skeletons all over the realms everywhere Mm. and so people who were like the furthest possible distance from nagash still felt the effects of it it's kind of the unifying thing that every battle tome now has what nagash's actions did to them specifically uh and that's kind of a cool narrative device i'll talk about that in a second but that's how we got the night haunt that the entire army came up at once because um, yeah. not because night before that
0: particular story arc nighthorn didn't have a battle tome they were no. just they had like the spirit host they had some, some just gener- generic yeah. you know, units but we had no characters there was no linda um mm-hmm. and, and i remember that um they brought out four models you know one unique model per um per grand alliance you yes. know you had the the fungoid cave shaman you mm-hmm. had uh the lord ordinator for stormcast you know you had that dark yeah. oath war queen for chaos mm-hmm. um it was just those uh and it was the Knight of shrouds um it was just awesome right and then we got to play through some stories and some campaigns and um
1: yeah and that was an underappreciated campaign book i'm just gonna throw it out there i think it was the coolest freaking thing uh because at the times at the so many factions did not have battle tomes like it wasn't until the following year where gw i don't know went on a cocaine bender and then pumped out every every codex for 40k and every battle tome for Asia of Sigmar <laughs> but um, this campaign book allowed armies that don't have uh, faction abilities to be able to do stuff like that which was really neat there's whole mechanics about like scrying the future and how you can mm-hmm. use did you ever play that?
0: Yeah, I did. I did. One, oh, yeah. of my, uh, my, one of my very close friends, Deke, um, I've, I, I've known him since uh, primary school. Uh, mm-hmm. We've been playing Warhammer since then. He is a death, you know, he's he's the Lord of Death for me. He's, <laughs> he owns probably about 20,000 points worth of death. Uh, he's been painting death since the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got to play some of those stories, and it was really, really cool to to play out those stories. It was the first introduction of a, a pseudo-command point um, army, but there was also very, yeah. very interesting um, ba- uh uh, battle plans that we could play through. Yep, um, it was yeah. highly enjoyable. I don't know if they still sell it anymore, but it's very, mm-hmm. very, very good.
1: It is. It's. It's a. Uh, especially if if you want to have a fun weekend, just have everyone bring like a grand alliance, whatever army. You know, take whatever you want, bring some cool, cool full models, and then use that, and you can all still have cool abilities. Uh, one of my favorite, well, I call it a favorite with an asterisk next to it. Moments, uh, memorable moments in wargaming is that we were playing that. Uh, with the rerolling ones guys. And I was playing Zinch at the time. I used my Destiny dice. So I got a 12 inch charge, uh turn one, and then uh, Jack made me reroll it with one of those portents. So you have and <laughs> it was soul crushing. <laughs> so not only did Good. I blow the two right. sixes in my Destiny dice pool. No I sympathy failed.
0: for Zinch, sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, nah, well, that's fair.
0: <laughs> you should have saw that coming.
1: Yeah, yeah. I oh know. Well. <laughs> this is this is not the time to uh look for a zinch pity i suppose but you know that was like six armies ago for me so i don't really worry about it (laughs) it's old news
0: but you know you've had the uh the season of war you've had the malign portents obviously we're you know we're almost coming out of this this um soul wars kind of narrative as well which has unlocked all these amazing artifacts from malign sorcery um there's obviously at least stuff that's happened um, by unlocking the Soul Wars, and, and mm-hmm. um, it almost feels like we're kind of coming out of that now. You know, almost yeah. like Archeon is now kind of becoming the big bad guy instead of She's kind of taking a back seat, maybe has to replan yeah. his next approach.
1: I, I honestly I hope so, because we've spent maybe like a year with like Death being Ascendant, and mm-hmm. it, it gets kind of repetitive a little bit sometimes. Sometimes it does, uh, you know, because... When he comes into an area, everything's just dead, barren, and there's no life happening whatsoever. So it's like, well, you can only describe that times before people are like, ah, okay.
0: <laughs> Which he, he, he's trying to take over with the legions of Nagash. Then we've had the Night Haunt yep. rising with Alinda and, you know, that yep. Mortar. And now, you know, he's gotten really super cranky That's that Sigmar keeps stealing his souls. Mm-hmm. And he's now like, that's it, screw you guys. I'm bringing out the Osiak Bone Reapers, my version of the Stormcast. And it's almost like, eh, if this doesn't work, Maybe you need to take a back step and rethink your plan.
1: Um, Yeah, actually that's, that's uh, forbidden power was another story beat. That was really important where uh, basically after Nagash's failed spell, it accidentally revealed the fact that Sigmar had like weapons and weapon caches and artifacts hidden everywhere. And in one of them, he had imprisoned the soul of one of Nagash's favorite generals. So the forbidden power, uh story arc is a, basically a military campaign led by the Nighthaunt to go get him. They broke him out. And then all of a sudden, that's when we got the Ossaric Bone Reapers, which is, that's their leader, is Catacross. So, yeah, it was
0: cool. <laughs> uh, that's very cool. And, and there's so many, so many stories here. But I think, you know, just highlighting just some of the few large narratives that have happened. And, you know, me being a glimpse by GIF player as well, you know, we started to see the Bad Moon rising and, you know, we started to yeah. steal.
1: The Bad Moon was oh awesome. That was the cool. That was my favorite army release.
0: <laughs> it was amazing, right? But, you know, like the, the Bad Moon kind of started tapping into Slaanesh. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we have Slanesh who has been previously been bound and now kind of been freed. Um, and which is now leading into the elf release, and you know, there's you know within that, you know, Marathi has her own little story about stealing some of the souls of um, more, more than her share of the elves. We've obviously got the the deep kin. So there are these mm-hmm. as we keep kind of going deeper and deeper. There's just so much story that you can unlock.
1: For sure, and then what's what's cool is uh, in all the battle tomes. And, you know, the, the main publications, Black Library kind of stuff, they often throw out these little threads of lore that co- they circle back to later. Uh, and it makes it really interesting because what they're doing is seeding the ground for, like, directions they can go, which is really great, I and mean, it's smart. So they, they did the same thing for 40K forever ago, and they're doing the same thing now.
0: Oh, that, that's awesome. So, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about the realm. So, you know, you've got Akshi, you've got Shimon, you've got Gauron, you've got Hish. There's just yes. lots... There's a lot going on there and there's eight yep, of yep. them that to know seven um are playable so if you if you are playing age mm-hmm. sigma already and you've got malign sorcery yep. um you would know that there are artifacts and spells for seven of the eight realms and one is off limits that's sigma where he lives yes um it's a very gated community um <laughs> it's like you know like it's like those gated communities like, you yep. no you can't come in here sorry no. i love but it the nice, the nice pools are off limits for you yeah um how would you best describe the mortal realms and these different particular... Are they planets? Are they balls of energy? Um, yeah. Like,
1: So uh, the way it's best described... So Games Workshop put out a video of their own with with Phil Kelly talking about it. He's like their lead Lord nerd there and all-around avatar of Doug. So basically what it is is... Um, if, you've, if you're familiar with... Uh, what, what edition of D&D was it? Where there was like a disc realm yeah. or yeah so it's like disc like, world type things.
0: Like I, I feel like i played in the disc world in like 3.5 D&D. I okay think.
1: so and honestly it's the same idea where each uh realm represents a wind of magic uh they all have every biome meaning they every one of them has forests and snowy mountaintops and lakes and all this kinds of stuff but they are all kind of perceived differently through those different iterations of like what does a mountain look like in the realm of fire you know, it's not just lava and volcanoes and all that kind of stuff.
0: So like I imagine, like, for example, in the realm of metal, you yeah. know, d- does that mean that silverness is not there? No, my 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 interpretation of that is maybe they're more metallic. Maybe, you know, they sh- mm-hmm. super sharp spikes and made of gold yep. and silver as opposed to bark and natural kind of pieces.
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh, and there's actually um, in some of the you kind of get little hints of what each of these realms looks like if you read the little fluff blurb for the Rumscape features. So, for example, like in the realm of metal, there is trees that can cut you as you move through them. So if you move through terrain, you can get hurt and that kind of stuff. Um, To be fair, regular trees cut me. Fair Uh, enough. Yeah, you know. (laughs) Even more more cutting. It's more of a user error than the realm trying to kill you, though. Yeah, fair enough. Um, So, yeah, that's what they fundamentally are. Now, they are, like I said, a disk. And what it is is... Uh, In the center, things are extremely stable. And that's where most of the story things happen is, frankly, the the fat center of that sucker. Uh, Because as you get towards the edge, things get much more wild and crazy. Magic starts to kind of come apart at the seams. It's it's less um, refined out there. So, for example, if you're in the realm of fire and you start walking towards the edge... If you get far enough, you can burst into flames. Um, you can there's like gold statues of people in Chaman because it literally just turned them into a different metal. Um, all kinds of stuff. So, and that's a it's a cool setting because it's first of all each of them is massive, like beyond. They're each one of those supposed to be like a whole old world unto itself. Uh, the maps that we have in the core book uh, account basically for one continent in each of the realms. So we don't have a full picture of every single one of them, which is, it's. I think it's a great compromise between abstract and um, too much detail uh, to limit yourself. And so, yeah, that's, that's what it is. And so each one of them has unique artifacts that really represent or are supposed to represent uh, the realm that they're from. And um, in addition to that, I'm trying to think.
0: And and that's why the, you know, just going back to the early discussion that we had around the Realm Gate Wars, Mm -hmm. that was one one of the reasons why the very first story arc was all about fighting for these Realm Gates because Mm -hmm. that is how you were able to transport between the different realms Mm -hmm. and through the successes of capturing certain Realm Gates, uh, trade was able to be created and that's why places like uh, Hammerhall, which is known as the Twin City, um, has a Realm Gate which allows them to be in Akshi as well as Gairon's. So, uh, yeah. and, and that's why when you play that army, you do have the selection of being from both because uh, the city is in both. Mm-hmm. Um, and and by, by being in that realm, it allows you to access so much and do so many things.
1: Yeah. And it was really it was really fleshed out well in the Carriage and Overlords book, I think. Maybe it's the City of Sigmar book. But basically what each realm offers. So, for example, if you are having a massive war effort, you need raw metal there's a realm of metal. You also need to feed your troops and people go to Gur because there's lots of wildlife to kill and then bring the meat in. And so they all kind of work together. There's a reason to be in every one of them. Um, And of course, if you're someone who doesn't like that concept, you can just say you're from the center of the realm where things are just chill, (laughs) you know, where it's a, it's very stable and just pick your own environment basically.
0: Actually, that, that's actually a really good point as well, um, just to loop back. Um, yep. We talked about the Age of Chaos, you know, how Chaos had really taken over the realms until Sigmar mm-hmm. and crew fought back. The whole region that Caradron Carid- Carid- Overlords came into our realms is because they were living up in the skies and the skyports yep. going, through you guys, we ain't coming down <laughs> until it's safe and we want to trade. And then once once the the realms and the cities and we kind of got okay, they're mm-hmm. like, cool, we're coming down now. Um so I think it's just, like, there's so much story and so many different things that have come mm-hmm. out
1: of this. And I think to kind of touch on that, and we, we've kind of uh, talked around it a little bit in the various things we've mentioned, but what it took them th- quite a while, frankly, um, maybe two, three years. They created this really abstract setting with the realms, and it was largely rejected when it first got put out there as too crazy, it's too much of a sandbox.
0: It's like blood beasts, and there was yeah. lots of just different-
1: and I, I always uh, I always understand that. The thing is that they've done a really good job of uh, about a year in going forward is the realms start to make a lot more sense the more you learn about the various factions. Because when you have this huge stage, it's putting characters on that stage that give it context. And mm-hmm. so like having all these different realms doesn't matter until you realize, oh, the realm gates are important because we need things <laughs> from each one of them or how society, like, functions when you have transportation. Like you said, uh, in Hammerhall, like, they can go between two realms. That's huge. Uh, they so, use, so another,
0: yeah. another example that, I, that comes to my mind is um, – the Stormcast, there was a particular chamber. And, look, to be honest with you, my, my, my Stormcast lore is not that strong, so please don't punish me. But I know that there was this particular chamber or, or a particular yep. part of the Stormcast who went went out scouting in the, the realm of beasts, you know, the realm of mm-hmm. Gur. And, you know, they got lost or, you know, Sigmar wasn't listening to their calls. And as you can imagine, as they spent more and more time in Gur, they became more and more bestial. Yep. So you started to see those effects come into play.
1: Yeah. And that's that's been a recurring theme in a couple, uh, mostly battle tomes. And I haven't seen a Black Library novel that I feel like really drives it home. But the longer you stay in a realm, the more it changes you. Uh, so if mm-hmm. you're in Akshi, you become very hot-tempered and aggressive. Uh, yeah, you become feral, like you said in GUR. And it's it's mental changes, but also physical. So like my favorite is the Flesh Eater Courts, who grow like huge manes and fur and that kind of stuff if they're in GUR for too long. Um, there's an Ossiarch Bone Reaper lady who like goes hog wild. She her people go nuts when they fight. <laughs> I think it's the ivory host or something like that.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> uh but, but look, 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 if, look, you're the law master I'll just believe you, and uh, I'm sure writing, <laughs> exactly. writing ideas and they're like, Oh, Doug said this, let's put this in the next battle
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Yep, it's because I said I'm so. pretty sure we got to that point. <laughs> so um yeah so the realms are really cool they they allow you to do um a lot of storytelling because you can make whatever you want there are because the story arc is that things were really groovy and we had this technological and civilization peak right before chaos came in there's tons of ruins to explore which is my favorite like i that's why i like more where you're like crawling through the ruins of the city all that kinds of stuff,
0: um, and, and that's the setting of Underworlds, really. We're tapping yes. into some of the yes. some of these ruins. You know, we, the season one was around um, mm-hmm. Shade Spire, which was you know this uh, seven layers under under Shish, uh, shish. Um, but you there, there is so, and that's why we just keep getting un- unlocking different things and yeah. different stories, and um, it's just never ending. It just keeps going, and there's yep. just we, we've kind of only really just touched the tip of the iceberg.
1: Yeah, and it's a very uh, quick overview, but. Um...
0: I mean, it's only five years of stories, right? Like we're we're only, we're only thirty minutes in, so I think we're doing a pretty good job to kind of yeah. condense it all. Um, but again, there's so much story. You know, the you know the the reason that Slaanesh was being bound was obviously is because uh, the mm-hmm. four Elven gods at the time had kind of um, bound Slaanesh in between light and shadow. Um, yep. And and then uh, you, you drill into that, and you know, there's more and more and more and
1: more and more. And there, that's how it yeah.
0: the shelves.
1: There so. Wow. It's a very tangled web, (laughs) but um, for people who say there's no lore, it's like the second you pull one of these threads and you're like, what happened to Slaanesh? It takes you down this like super long rabbit hole that you're like, now we have the Deepkin, now we have Snake Ladies for Daughters of Cain, now we have lumineth, which are coming out here theoretically soon, assuming that the world epidemic doesn't slow things down for them. You know, all these things that like, if you just pick one thread, which is my suggestion to new folks, if you're coming back into it, just pick one thing and ask about it, and it'll lead you down the ultimate rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, if you're coming back to the game and you're like, what the hell are Stormcast? Just look up Stormcast, and you'll learn about Sigmar, and Grugni, and Azir, and I don't know, all kinds of... <laughs>
0: you know, the, the one thing that really benefited me was uh, coming from the old world to this new age of Sigmar, is that the, the eight realms are basically the, the winds of magic yes. um you know being an empire player i would i would always have wizards and in my city which was Off at the time it always is altoff it had the college of magic and they were always studying the winds of magic and it is Gert, hish shimon all mm-hmm. of those it's literally the same thing but it's it's really instead of it being this kind of we don't understand it magic is just coming from somewhere they've really now explored that out and built it yeah. out and um mm-hmm. There's just so much rich, richness in this that sure. um, I want to talk to you next about the Chaos Gods. Like, I want, oh yeah, like there are gods. Uh, the gods aren't the old world gods. Um, mm-hmm. It gets and then it gets even more convoluted and kind of tangled. <laughs> then
1: um, a, yeah, that's a hard one because like I don't. So for for folks who don't know me, I played fantasy battles for about eight months before Ages of sigmar launched. So like. I was reading books about my high elves, but I didn't know anything about like all the, the old world gods. And so I'm seeing these names in these books and then like, like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> I only know the age of Sigmar ones, but what was your, what was your question about the other gods? We can, we can jump into that. Before I
0: move into that really quickly, yeah. while in the chat has asked a really good question, that's perfectly oh, timed sure. now. And then we'll go to that question. Um, and he was talking about, you know, he, he believes that, and he's seen a lot of influence from um Uh, From from Hish around you know a very Asian themed kind of aesthetic. Um, He he was wondering, what do you believe that maybe Azir might look like? Do you think there's a a, a particular look for the realms, or do you think that's coming out from like a a battle tome or an army point of view?
1: My cynical side says that since Sigmar runs the whole thing, it's probably going to be like a historic German town. You know, it's going to – He's got – everything is just like Dusseldorf or whatever. Just pick me up. Sign me up.
0: Gantelouns, <laughs> yeah. mustaches. Exactly, yeah. That sounds like where I want to be. Lord Schnitzel buffets, yeah. <laughs>
1: um, no, but as far – I would definitely think it would be – Yeah, I <sighs> – not too far off from that, but I guess like maybe like a, a classic European theme because the stuff that came out of there, well, it's kind of a melting pot because all the races went there when things hit the fan with chaos. So I don't I don't know if it would be like, you know, Germantown with like kind of how crowds. like yeah, red, well, red like <laughs> exactly where like, you know, New York City has Chinatown. Maybe the default is like a German themed or European themed thing with like elven town where it's like you know that little bit of asian influence that kind of stuff in that area because like they do in uh hish but yeah so i don't know uh that'd be my and guess we,
0: we did see we we did see that kind of come into play with um with death um yeah. with neferata recreating lamia as new lamia mm-hmm. so she obviously came from the world that was the, the the realm of myth and yep. they had lamia but uh, she wanted to cr- recreate her vision of what Lamia looked like in the Age of mm-hmm. Sigma, and that is new Lamia. So who knows? It could be. Yeah, um, yeah.
1: That's that's my wild guess. It's probably something pretty classic to Empire. Well, well, in the spirit of community, I'd like people in the
0: uh, the channel description or the channel comments to tell us what they think of uh, what, what Hish looks like. Oh, Azir, yeah. sorry. What does Azir look like? What What is their personal as you. Yeah, uh, this could get interesting.
1: Just just a giant codpiece manufacturing plant is the, all that whole realm is, just equip any Every free guild guy with a cross guard.
0: <laughs> sign me up. Sign me up. Um <laughs> I would be down with that. Uh give me all the pantaloons for days
1: <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but speaking
0: of the gods, we've got we've yeah. got a bunch of gods. And you kind of you've kind of named some of them already. So we've got Sigmar <laughs> Which is um,
1: well, the game's name, value, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Age of Sigmar is it began when he decided to go out and reclaim the realms. Um, so, if you to make it really brief, uh, during the End Times campaign, many of the prominent characters like Teclis and Sigmar, and or not Sigmar, but Carl friends with Sigmar in his soul. I don't know. Uh, all tied themselves to Winds of Magic, and then they became gods in AOS. And so, yeah, Sigmar is God of Heavens. Uh, Alariel's God of Life. So, life, magics, and growths, and that kind of stuff. Uh, we have Malekith, who is kind of the copy, non copyright infringing version of uh, Malak.
0: What is he? Malekith? No,
1: sorry. Yeah, Malakith yeah. is the old one. Malarian is oh, his okay. new name, right? Okay, I got that backwards. Sorry, um, I do it all the time. <laughs> and then, uh, who else is there? Tyrion and Teclas. We don't know too much about them. Um, but they're they're both around. They uh, have some relationship to being gods of light magic. Whether they, they kind of twin that one or if one is more dominant, I don't know how that works yet. Lumineth is coming out, we're gonna figure it out soon. And then uh who else is there? There's the dwarden gods of Grugni and Grimnir. Got Gorkamorka. Gorkamorka, yep, who can split into Gork and Mork and then recombine to Gorkamorka <laughs> when he argues with himself. Uh who else is there? Nagash. Yep. Lariel yeah said so her i think that's the main players at least that we see now and then the the chaos gods are the same as they were so corn nurgle slanesh zeench they kind of elevated oh, horn. the great horned rat
0: yeah <laughs> uh, everyone always forget the great horn rat because <sighs> because in the old world he, the, the great horn rat was never a chaos god um yeah. and as soon as slanesh got kind of bound up and ate too many elves and got really fat and got captured. Um, They're like, oh, we don't want to be a threesome. Let's just promote the rat. And then the rat has used the last couple of years to go, I'm still a god. I'm still a god. And (laughs) most people forget about the poor greyhorn rat. um, You could probably argue, is it a god? Is it not a god? But you've got that pantheon of of chaos.
1: Well, speaking of of that question of is he a god or is not, the one thing I do think that I would love to see from Games Workshop uh, is some kind of clarification on what makes someone a god. Because all those people we just mentioned have achieved you know, deity status, right? But then there's this next tier of people who are trying to become them, where you have like Archeon. But when you see Archeon, it is like the power of a god brought to the battlefield. It is insanity. Um, another one is Marathi, uh, mm-hmm. who is Malekith Myrlarian. Uh, his mom from the Old World did survive, but she got twisted up in the in the pursuit of life and so now she is trying to attain godhood herself so that kind of like we don't really know what the distinction is Mm -hmm. because there's such movers and shakers that it's not really clear but um there's different tier you have your deities what i'm calling demigods and then a lot of people below them like us Yes, exactly. Well, yes. Not me, not you. you
0: yeah, you're you're exactly. certainly like the Marathi kind of demigod
1: ascending <laughs> to be the I'm hot on her tail. <laughs> that sounded That's worse cool. when it came out of my mouth. There you go. <laughs> Just put that as a sound clip. Marathi, Doug's hot on her tail. Okay. <laughs> this is not your mom, right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But,
0: um, you know, like, like for me, what I love about this is when I pick up and I go to Games Workshop and I pick a bunch of models up, mm-hmm. They are literally models. Uh, they're pieces of plastic men and women that I need to put together, and I'm going to paint in some description. They are a toy, but the moment you start putting a story over, you can start to see it in a little bit more of a a different light, a different context. Yep. You know, colors come to mind, conversion and kit bashing comes to mind, and something like that uh, I often get asked about is how do you come up with ideas to kit bash and convert your armies? Um, yep. And, and, and the lore and the story and the narrative and the purpose of your plastic men and women soldiers um, creates that kind of, it opens up Pandora's box to a realm of possibility. And you look at your little general and go, well, this is how the general comes about. But what if that general come from the realm of death? Would it look different? How would I make it reflect the realm of death? Um and all of a sudden, you know, your Hurricanum is surrounded by spirits from the um the, the covenant throne. Yeah. Um, you know, you have um there's so many different things you can do just by one different lens on your army. So mm-hmm. I guess the question I had for you is how important are the are the ongoing narratives and stories to your gaming and your and you know the gaming community you're a part of?
1: Yeah, I so you'll hear people say stuff sometimes. Like I've had a few people message me and be like you know, the, the lore is secondary. It doesn't really matter. It's, it's just kind of a bolt on thing to the game. My, my shot back to that is simply that we all know games where the story is just crap. Like there's just nothing. It's like paper thin. Um, But those games are not as interesting. And Mm. the reason is because the story, uh, I'm going to get a little philosophical here. I believe that humans are storytellers by nature. Even if you are a hardcore competitive person, when you win, you go on a podcast and you talk about how you won, which is itself a story. You, you make a story. Like, that's all it is. Um, when it comes to these kinds of games, adding, you know, personalization, your own touch, your own vision to a, a greater story arc is super rewarding in a way that no other hobby does, which is why I think Wargaming is around. You know, I think it's why it exists. Um, and there's a lot of, like, different lenses with that. When it comes to, like, a list building competitive, it doesn't matter. But with the fact yeah. is... You use these these narrative tools, these huge sandboxes that you get in terms of the realms and where people come from, meaning your, your example of your general who's from the realm of death, but also where he is now. So how does someone who was grown up in the grim darkness of the world of death act when he is now in the realm of life, you know, uh, with everything being flush and, and that creates internal conflicts with him? Um, And he has to use this new environment to his advantage when he fights and that kind of stuff. So it adds drama to these little plastic soldiers and kind of gets us attached to them.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. And, um, you know, at the start of this year, you create a little um, story competition. And unfortunately... You know, due to life, I didn't get to actually submit my final result. But mm-hmm. one of the things that I wanted to focus on, and I did to a degree, was at the time of your launch, you um, had set it up when we were playing at CanCon. So, CanCon is, is the world's life oh, yeah. science event. And Clint Mallett, who is the TO of um, CanCon, had set it in the realm of Gairan. So, it was yes. in the Jade Kingdoms. So, I thought to myself, you know, being at the time I was playing Halo Heart, and I'm like, yeah. why is my Halo Heart army coming to Gairan? and what was the purpose what am i trying to do and you know when i looked at my list and i was thinking about well my general is going to be uh, an anointed on foot a little elf um yeah. and it's leading a bunch of wizards um and mm. protecting those wizards is the phoenix guard and there's a whole bunch of other things but i'm like right this personal narrative and i'm thinking about well where am i basing myself and um you know looking at the book i decided to pick a point in the map of um you know i'm happy to share my more with anyone who wants to ask (laughs) but i but you know just to summarize where i got to I recognised and realised that basically my my army was a research army. They were going mm-hmm. into the Great Kingdoms. You know, mm-hmm. my That's cool. my, my Phoenix Guard were protecting these researchers that were hopefully bringing back artefacts for Hello Heart to, to research, to explore, to understand mm-hmm. the realm of Gairan better, being in, you know, the realm of Akshi. Yeah. Hopefully, through this quest, I was able to do X, Y, and Z. And as I reflect on my games, I can then put that into context, Um, whether I won, whether I lost, whether it was a raid, whether it was an ambush, whether it was a -hmm. a hard fight. um, All of a sudden, I'm like, my tournament performance, while I did go four and two, adds so much more flavour because I now have a story that's attached to it, not just I went to a tournament and won Mm -hmm. and lost
1: and and i think that 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 background that you made is, is a perfect example of what i would encourage most folks to do you don't need to have every single freaking grot have a name and a background and and uh, you know a family tree but saying i mean i like your example of having uh, a research team and people who guard them because that's a super practical very easy to mentally grasp thing um in, and it kind of helps you ground yourself in what could be a very abstract setting because when area west first came out people um i think they kind of dove really heavy into the super weird stuff like um, it's very high
0: fantasy
1: yeah exactly and and they kind of thought that that was kind of the norm but it's like no uh, i think it started when cities of secrets came out that like no there's still some very grounded storytelling that's very much like uh the old world you know fantasy battles if that's what you're into that it just makes sense like if societies existed here, we would have research teams just like we have research teams now. <laughs> that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, no, uh, that, that was a great one. It's um, yeah. out there to help you do this, but um, I think for me, like picking a point in the model realms and thinking about why I'm doing what I'm doing has yeah. just added so much more color and and variety and enjoyment to my games. On top of still wanting to win, but it contextualizes the losses as well.
1: Uh, for sure. Yeah. And that's, and some of the entries that I got for that competition were, were really just people saying like, um, Hey, I, I recorded all the games I did for the month of October and this is the story around it. And so they started with this, here's a character, here's my army. And then it's like, and then we went out to fight and, oh, we were swamped by flesh eater courts. And they just talked about their battle with flesh eater courts. And so win or lose, you are crafting a narrative. And then you just go the extra step and define some characters and that kind of stuff, and you can have a really great time. Yeah, adds a lot to the game.
0: Yeah, and and um, most armies, if not all armies, are across all the different realms. Now, probably the only yeah. armies that are locked into a particular realm are those cities of Sigma, um, mm-hmm. because those particular cities. But you know, not to say that you couldn't use the rules as sister cities somewhere else. For sure. um, but you know, each of these armies, you know, Silver and Earth can be found everywhere. Uh, yep. Nurgle can be found everywhere, Corn, you know, obviously yep. some of these armies have preference to where they want to be, but mm-hmm. um, you can put your own spin on your own army. And just because, uh, again, you know, G- Gairan is all about uh, Nurgle and um, Sylvaneth, yep. doesn't mean that you you have to play from Gairan and it has to be in that scheme.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things they've done a really great job of, if you look at if you want ideas on where your army could be from, if you have your book, your battle Battletome, uh, I would definitely say just breeze through those like little story blurbs that they have. Like usually they call it like, I don't know, orcs over time or something like that. It's just like little like, I don't know, maybe four sentence story bits. And they have things from all over every realm for every book. Uh, and they're all over the place. Sometimes they have sub factions that are kind of tied narratively to specific realms. I like doing that personally. Uh, and, and then some armies are so big that they are just everywhere. Uh, I, uh, what, Iron Jaws are everywhere. Well, Orcs in general, Warclans are everywhere. Um, Stormcast, can, they're such a large faction that they can break down into divisions. And, like, you know, this chamber will send a division here, and then the rest of the divisions will go there. So you can create whatever you want.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that's the beauty as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, was, I was talking to someone just the other day when they're like, you know, I want to set up a Nighthorn army and I want them to focus on their mortal enemy. Who Who is their mortal enemy? And we're talking about different things. Yep. And one could be the Sacrosanct Chamber from Stormcast. Another yep. one could be Revenge for Archeon and the Chaos when they mm. uh, when they invaded and they took over the Realm of Death. Um, yep. and, and they banished Nagash for, for a period of time. So yes. you create like this revenge force and then... Uh, what does a, an anti chaos night haunt look like? And yeah, yeah. Um, it just unlocks so many cool opportunities. And then you mm-hmm. create your own story, you create your own battles. And the cool thing in talking about battle tomes is that all of the battle tomes have custom battle plans for you to play yep. um, about your army. So, mm-hmm. you know, Spike Git one has one around the bad moon, and it's not like a general's handbook, it's its own unique story, yes. and you explore yep. it. Um, and explore the personal mm-hmm. army narrative
1: yeah i do suggest uh everyone take a good hard look because i mean i'll be honest some of those missions are better than others uh but all of them are are meant to really drive home like the the theme of the army that of the what's in the book basically uh so like my favorite one is the beast of chaos where everyone's just trying to tear down the herdstone which is just like a really cool thing and then so it puts the the main army sort of a ambusher, but the defending it, like they're watching the other army come at them. And so there's some really cool stuff there, but yeah, those missions are, it's kind of like the path to glory thing. Most people just skip right past it. But like, there's some cool stuff in there for sure. Speaking of,
0: of stories, um, yeah. One of my f- my favourite stories you just mentioned earlier was The Cities of Secrets, which was mm-hmm. uh, all all about Zench starting to corrupt um, yeah. one particular free city. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was the fight back of uh, a witch uh, a witch hunter, you know, a, a warrior priest. There was like a little band of brothers yep. uh, essentially trying to, like, you know, who is the cult, who's corrupting and kind of fight it off from the realms. Yeah, yeah. Um, Do you have any particular favorite stories or any particular books that you really enjoyed um, that you kind of recommend to people?
1: Sure. So if someone is coming from fantasy battles and they are really apprehensive about like the abstract, crazy heroic fantasy stuff uh, cities of secrets, by I think it's Nick Horth who wrote that one. Uh, He, that is my go-to book for people because it is a very understandable story. It doesn't have storm. Well, there's a storm cast in it, but he's not one of the main characters. Everyone's very understandable. It's very like uh, old worldy because it's the concrete setting. So that's definitely that's high on my recommendation list. I really um, enjoyed that.
0: By the way, because the way they looked at the stormcast is not like mm-hmm. they're the saviors. They're like, oh, here no. they go again. The stormcast, the here for all the glory. They think yeah. they're so good. You know, I mean, with my little pike in my halberd, I'm going to protect the city. Yep. I don't need them. Uh And it made them not feel like the good guys, right? Um,
1: right. They're this other thing. You know, it's kind of like uh, I think if you're a 40k player, like I think the best stories about space Marines are the ones that kind of highlight how not human they are. And they do the same thing with Stormcast in, in that one where it's like, nobody wants to talk to them because they're scary. Like they're different. And uh, that's not cool. Um, Other books that are really standouts. uh, My personal favorite of all the black library uh, books is um, Nagash Undying King by Josh Reynolds. It is a book where, Uh, As you mentioned before, uh, Nagash got taken out of action by Archeon. He got struck down, but not destroyed. And so um, he's kind of like in a hole resting somewhere. And uh, uh, what is his name? Archon the Black and Neferata are doing their best to keep him kind of hidden and safe. But a Nurgle army, which is full of character. Like, it's one of the most fun things to read if you like Nurgle or just chaos in general. Is marching towards that hidden place, and so they're trying to like scramble all the human defenders to come together. And uh, I won't spoil the ending, but it's is beyond rad. It's everything you've ever wanted to see Nagash do. So, um, beyond that, that's my biggest recommendation.
0: Uh, The Eight Laminations is a great series as well. Yeah. Uh, Again, Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds is probably my favorite author. I'm sorry, Mm. the other author, Naja Sigmar, but. Josh Reynolds' uh, writing style is
1: just Yeah, he does a great job of, um, you know how, like, I've only ever heard it called bolter porn in 40K, where it's just action, right? Action, 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 but not for the sake of anything. I feel like Josh Reynolds, anything by him is a fantastic read because he does a great job, especially with dialogue, of just making things seem important and, like, uh, adding importance to thing uh, when i say add importance i just mean like it's the violence is never just for violence sake it's it's always moving a very important and interesting story along so i definitely recommend anything by him uh what else
0: there are a lot of cool books and you know yeah. ch- check out the Black library site there's a gloom spite one which is awesome they're not all oh, yeah? that story and death, there is chaos ones. There is mm-hmm. uh, one I haven't read yet, which is around the tithe of bone, which is a, a short little story, as yep. you can imagine, about bone reapers. Um, but th- but the great thing for me is, um, I'm not the biggest reader, like, I read a lot of business books and I'm all about you know yeah. my business world reading. But what I love to do is, I love to listen to the audios. And the great thing is, a lot of these books are in audio form as yep. well. When I'm walking, I'm at the gym, on the train, I can consume these books uh, Mm -hmm. and catch up on stories as well as doing my business reading. So uh, if you're more of an auditory kind of person, um, things like the, um, the, the go Trek series as well uh, is just awesome. Uh,
1: Yes. Also. So is the, uh, uh, the call of Archeon series is actually one of my favorite things they've put together. It's a bunch of short stories, um, but it's from various Lords of chaos who are all being pulled into service by Archeon. And like how they have to fight against each other. Uh, that's definitely a good one. Hammer Hall and other stories is fantastic if you yes. want to do Stormcast. Because it's just a dig glimpse, it's a, a bunch of short stories that are glimpses at what they are like. Um I'm trying to think of a good destruction one. There's uh, yeah, Gloom Spite is probably the best one. They have not really leaned heavily into destruction as for characters and that kind of stuff as much. Uh they kind of get shortchanged and that's that's a real bummer. Um by the way, the
0: book that I really enjoyed from the Eight Lamination series uh, was the, it's called Spear of Shadows. So it was like a combination of a free mm. guild person, it was a vampire, yeah. and it was a, uh, a fire slayer, troll slayer. Um, it was awesome. It's just, again, it's really cool. And like again, you would like, why is a vampire working with these two? Well, yes. it allows you to break the mold of the game and it creates a wonderful story.
1: Yeah, there's some real cool stuff there. I'm trying to – I'm actually – I pulled up the Black Library site because for some reason I'm having just an absolute brain fart right now about different <laughs> titles of books. Um, but there there are quite a few. Uh, and and what I normally tell people is if you want to learn about the, the current story arc, Pick Up Soul Wars, because that's what's going on right now. If you want to learn about um, the opening stuff, I like War Storm personally. It's the start of the uh, Rome Gate Wars. Um, there's some really great dialogue in there about why realm gates are important and how the realms feel weird and different to people who are first coming to them. Um, And then from there, just pick an army and then just find books about it. That's always my suggestion. Um, And the
0: cheeky plug that I'm going to put in as well is that there's someone here uh, on this channel who's actually recorded a whole bunch of videos as well. So even if you don't have the book, uh, you are curious. About the bone splitters, or you're curious about uh, what is why is Archaeon kind of rising to power and what's this all about? And you know, uh, what's the deal with the wrath of the ever chosen? You know, there are mm-hmm. there's somebody that's not me, maybe it's you, Doug, who's created these <laughs> bite sized videos that allows you to, uh, you know, dip your toe in the water to learn enough. And if it sounds like there's something that interests you, then mm-hmm. you can dive into the Black Library, you can read more in from the Battle Tomes, and um, yeah. The, like I, I think that's for me, that's the when the wonderful thing is that I don't own every battle toe, but through through the likes of your videos, um mm. uh, you can learn a little bit about everything. And then who knows? You are like me and sometimes you listen to your stuff and I'm like, yeah, maybe I should start a naked baby fire fire slayer army. Yeah. The way Doug puts it, actually yes. it makes me not, makes it sound real
1: cool. Yeah.
0: Kind of cool. Like now I understand why they're running around naked and why they have runes. Uh that makes actually more sense.
1: Yeah, and so for folks who, who don't watch my channel, um, basically I, I really focus on battle Tome lore specifically, uh, like talking about the factions and that kind of stuff. I don't do a ton of actual black library book reading. And the reason for that, and, and it is a very intentional thing, is because I don't want to spoil things for folks. But what's nice is that if you were to go to my channel and learn about Sylvaneth, if you were to pick up Black Talon First Mark, uh, which is a, a book that I did do a review of, but uh, when they meet some Sylvaneth, you'll have some kind of context for it and what they're like and that kind of stuff. So that's that's always my goal. I don't want to be a spoiler, and and I encourage people to go you know, read these books, buy these battle tomes, but it's more about getting people understanding the characters at play rather than spoiling everything. If that makes sense. <laughs>
0: I think you know, for me, um, like Age of Sigma has been around almost five years, and you know we mm. are just being the iceberg of the discussion. And uh, hopefully, so far, you know, it's gotten you a little bit curious about the re- the, 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 where the, the realm gate was, whether it's about the god beasts and why they were important and how the fire yeah. slaves came about, or maybe it's, you know, something, maybe it's even just a little bit about a better appreciation. Cause sometimes yeah. when we get that new battle tone, we run straight to the points, we run straight yeah. to the war trolls, the battalions. And there's this whole half of the book mm-hmm. uh, that is so, so rich in detail and lore that um, yeah. even gives you secrets on how to play the army. I know, um, you know, when I when I read the stories about Manfred von Karstein, who yeah. is known as a coward, as someone who won't face you, you know, <laughs> one for one, but, but he plays the same way as, as the stories. You know, I yeah. don't run Man in the battle right in front. That's the, that's the role of the vampire lord on Zombie Dragon. He's about being a calculated decision maker. Mm-hmm. He is about striking where the opponent is weak. And the law tells me how to do that. Yeah. Um and, and and that is reflective not just of Manfred, but as I look at my different armies around the how the free Guild work, the cities mm-hmm. work as regiments and supporting each other as opposed to these little, you know, little one and two man kind of units that just For run up sure. the board and rush.
1: Yeah, similarly, my my Magakin of Nurgle is based around the drowned men, which is led by Gut who's like a Nurgle pirate guy. And uh because he has ships that traverse basically land. Uh, he's all about like lightning strike a fast attacks. So Gut Rot allows Blight Kings to teleport into the battlefield. Um, his, the Drown Men stuff that we got in Wrath of the Ever Chosen is all about making the f- big fat fly boys really fast. So it's like lightning strike Nurgle. I love it. It's my favorite. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Those those story things play right into it. Yeah, and
0: you know, we've got the Lumineth coming as well. We've got the mm-hmm. rumored, uh, you know, giants or the sons of Behemoth. So who knows what that's going to unlock um you know we can only imagine that you know we're seeing one part of the lumineth um you know what does the other side of the 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 elven brothers going to bring to the table but then also you know what was formerly the dark Elves? um and the story is constantly and rapidly evolving and the way that people are interacting and being impacted by the rise of slanish you know Mm -hmm. the impacts of Archeon, and you know all the different little pieces um we can think about what that means to you and your force.
1: Absolutely, yeah, and I, uh, I'm interested. Um, what's really cool about like learning how faction, like learning about a faction, one of the best things if you're someone who like is short on time, not a big fan of reading, read the specific section in your battle tome. Now that they all have it about how they responded to the Necroquake, which is like Nagash's big thing, because. They, they created this one unifying event that every faction has a response to because it affected everybody. And in that you will find like the rich personality of your army and how, how they handle problems basically, and how we handle problems that finds us a lot of the time. Um, yeah, that'd be definitely my su- suggestion to you. Yeah. No, I love it. Um,
0: so I guess, you know, one, one thing that I'd love to hear from you is, yeah. um, what, what advice would you give somebody who is now getting across the law a bit more, taking mm-hmm. a bit more appreciation of the narratives and the stories, and then they want to start incorporating it into their own army? Like you've just given us a wonderful example of you and your drowned men. How did yep. you get to that point? And how could I start doing that if I'm not there just yet?
1: Sure. Uh, what I would say is start big and then work your way smaller. By that, I mean... My, my drown Men started with, I want Nurgle pirates because I think pirates are cool and I think Nurgle is cool. Uh, mainly just because I am someone who likes to move as few models as possible. <laughs> I don't have time for these 60 blocks of grots or whatever. Um, so I wanted something more elite and I was like, okay, but I want this nautical theme because I don't see it a whole lot outside of Deepkin, really. Um, so I wanted to do that. And so I you start looking around like, Okay, what are some things that, that would add nautical flavor so you can look at bits? So if you're a, a prominent kit basher, look at some of the nautical stuff. Go to the Deepkin site or bits stuff and then pull off some of their fishy bits, <laughs> if you will, um, and just start crafting a narrative. What I would say, a lot of the, the armies in AOS, if you define the character of your general, everything else can reflect him. Right, if if your hero is brash and impulsive, they're going to want things that focus on lightning strikes, so cavalry and you know, fast moving, aggressive stuff. Uh, if they're more reserved and that kind of stuff, you might focus on being defensive. That's a great way to just kind of play into it, almost a slight bit of role play. Um, I definitely start there, and then you can either go the route of um, because you know, cause some, some folks really value like how they play on a tabletop, so you can choose rules that you know, really lean into that. So say you wanted to make, uh, we'll pick, we'll pick on you for a bit. Right. So let's say you wanted to play cities of Sigmar and you want to play cities of Sigmar and you're like, I wanted these guys to be like rugged outdoorsy guys on the forefront, like the frontier of a city's boundaries, kind of defending things. Uh, and they're light and fast. Okay. So you can either go with, um, choosing a city based on rules that supplement that concept or, you can say, no, 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 we're going to be Hallowheart because that's where I want to be. And then you choose units that are specific to that concept, you know, and you can kind of work from there. Um, I'd say, like, pick a theme, build a character, and then what would that character logically take to achieve their goal?
0: You've, um, you've nailed the thinking pattern I've had with you. Like, when you have just talked to me, I, I thought yeah. of two, two particular stories of my own list building. Um, when I built my flesh courts, um, I built it, and I put my mind in the, in the mindset of a Dungeons and Dragons role playing <laughs> character. And I built my general, and my general at the time, um, because this was before the Second Battle Tome, so no Arch Regent. Um, but I built I built a ghoul King on foot, and yeah. what I had done was I'm like, well, reading the story of the Flesh Eater Courts, they think they are noble, they think yeah. they are essentially Bretonia, the
1: Knights of the <laughs> Realm, pretty much. Yeah,
0: so I, I went out and bought a uh, white king. Ah, uh, the little white king on foot, and I cut his head off. So I had the crown. All I wanted was the crown. Oh, nice! The crown on top of my arch region, or my mm-hmm. king, sorry. And I made him the king. And I also did some other bits to kind of make him mm-hmm. more of a. But I, I, I put him in that mindset, and I'm like, cool. How am I going to create my terror geists and my zombie dragons more like my um my, my dro- royal dragons? So yeah. I got like the breastplate of the free guild uh, griffin, and I put oh, it yeah. yeah. it, some heraldry. Um, you know, my my ghouls have. Um, you know, I've got a musician ghoul and a, a banner bearer ghoul. I've got like little helmets that I've been able to steal from the fifth edition skeletons. Um, oh, crap.
1: yeah,
0: yeah. So, and then like my my flayers, um, I was able to I create little standards and try to make them a bit more like knights. But mm-hmm. that, that kind of starting with the general and going, cool, if I want my general to be more knightly, how would he yeah. look? Um, then on the other side was, was, is the, my Cities of Sigma army. And I'm like, how do I, how do I own my own place in Cities of Sigma? Mm-hmm. And I was looking at the map and I'm like, I was drawn by Halo Heart, but Halo Heart wasn't the only army I really liked. Right. And I'm looking at um, Tempest Eye. So they're mm-hmm. the two armies that I really like. I'm looking at the map and I'm like, oh, they're both from Akshi. Oh, actually in the map, there's this little aisle called uh, the Opal Isle and it mm-hmm. sits in between um, both of those cities, but it's yeah. also the entry point into the, um, the plateau. So I'm yeah. like, I'm like, how do I do this? So I created my own little city that sits kind of in the middle on that Opal Isle that can be a trading partner to both those cities. It could be a research arm for Hello Heart. It mm-hmm. could be, uh, you know, it, it, it plays its own part to, to Tempest Eye. Um, and then it again just kind of formulates and just by putting yep. something on the map I can now start to build that narrative and then yep. my battles become grudges or victories and it means stuff for my army
1: for sure yeah it, um, that's a great way to do it uh, absolutely yeah again start with your general um, and then it just kind of assume that their personality trickles down into everything that they would bring which uh, I think makes sense Especially it's the-
0: so, and, it, 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 and and the the other trick that I, I I really enjoy is I go on and find name generators. So I know mm. uh, there's an Age of Sigma, there's a gentleman uh, Jamie the Jasper, I think his name is, who's been putting up and creating these different name generators. But Dungeons and Dragons has a whole bunch as well. Like you just put on like fantasy name generator and you can yeah. find anything. So um, putting a name on your bat on your, um, your army list submission, um, yep. or just find that name. Um, totally. For me. It's-
1: yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great idea. Uh, naming stuff is awesome, and um, it's kind of it's really fun when uh, you you use naming people as a reward for like r- ridiculous things. Like I have a named uh, Stormcast guy that I kept from the Stormcast army that I sold, where because he was I use him in Warcry now, but he was a what is he a Vanguard guy, a Vanguard hunter that like took out a, a Ma tribe. Boss with it with his little gun at nine inches. I was like, Yes, you get a name. <laughs> that's that's awesome.
0: awesome. There's, um, there's a gentleman in my games club, um, a very, very well known Skaven player by the name of Dan Brewer, um, who loves to run clan rats. And what he does mm-hmm. is with all of his opponents, he'll write under the base their name. So, like, we're all clan rats, or if we've oh, done something here, we might be a Giselle. And he's obviously got like hundreds of clan rats, but it's very cool to be able yeah. to create a little story and, um, I've got, I've got little one little free guild soldier who pulled down a more crusher once. So oh, uh, funny. it's like the last guy to die. Even if he's like, he should, he shouldn't be the first one. He shouldn't be the, no. he should be the guy to die. Nah, he's, he's the hero of free guild. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you know, to answer one of the questions in the chat as well. I think one of the cool things are that even though cities of Sigma is only really focused on two of the, the essentially seven playable realms, um, there are stories in the realm of death where the humans are, are working in partnership with the spirits of their ancestors. So while there's no rules there, the, the free guild or the cities could yeah. could be like, how does that interact? But then how does a bestial type girl based city look? Are they more barbarian? You use more of the um, maybe acolyte type bodies.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, there's this, there's this idea that like, because you're from someplace that you're stuck there. Like, why would you have any reason to to not fight in Actually, It's like, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm from America. We got to have our fist up every country in the world. So you find a way. <laughs> um, yeah, everywhere. That's yeah, awesome. Exactly. <laughs> Which is not really a segue into politics talking, but you know what I mean? Like, there's just there's reasons uh, come up with one. You know, there's perfectly good reasons that countries interact with each other.
0: And I think, again, going back to the whole purpose of the show, is we've got a whole bunch of books that are going to inspire you to find that narrative. So um, even if you don't know why it's going to go yet or you look, you're, you're looking for some stories, um, mm-hmm. there are pre-written stories as much as you can write your own.
1: Totally. Yeah, and and, and sadly, destruction players generally have to because uh, there's just not a lot of stories that involve them. But uh, I feel like those are also some of the easier factions to, to have reasons to travel because they're just looking for a fight, right? They just travel around. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think that's the easiest one right the iron jaws are out there looking for a fight yep. uh, the ogres are out there because they're hungry
1: yeah and the- exactly yep looking for food
0: so a couple of listener questions i want to kind of spit fire at you yes um, please this, this I'm, I'm very curious to see how you go with these ones. Okay. Uh, so this one comes from red hair Joe. So his question is around the religion of the mortal realm. So he
1: Ooh, okay.
0: the is that the religions are very fluid in the mortal realms. He, the law behind chaos kind of insinuates that people worship chaos in various ways. Um, and then, and, and they may not be, and, and some people may not be even aware that they're worshiping chaos. Yes. Um, and then you've obviously got the worshiping of Sigma Gorkamorka Nagash, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Do you think there are ways that people might think they're worshipping, I don't know, let's say sigma, but actually they're worshipping corn or another god?
1: Yes. So there's a difference between um, who you think you're worshipping and what your actions with that worship really do, like what they bolster. So, for example, you can worship like... You know, our warrior god Sigmar, but if you're if your method of worship is going out and shedding blood, the act of shedding blood is what empowers corn. Um, does that make sense?
0: Yeah, makes
1: okay. perfect sense. So yeah, so it's it's not just a matter of like who you think you're worshiping, but also what those actions lead you to do. So um,
0: So like, like the, for me, for example, um, You've got the worshipping of Marathi, right? Now you know yep. Marathi did everything because she was trying to justify the the worship of Cain. But yep. actually she was siphoning that power to become what we know today. Yeah. Um and that's just one example, but um that, that's that's actually a really good point around the actions. Is it actually generating favor to the gods, or are yep. you getting favor from someone else who uh likes blood?
1: Totally. And it's it's interesting because the I guess there's kind of two different kinds of gods, right? You have the gods of chaos and then pretty much everybody else, right? The, the pantheon is typically what I call them. Um, it seems as though the gods of chaos get their energy from things that happen that mortals do, right? You kill somebody, corn gets power, but the other gods, the chaos, I'm sorry, are the pantheon, the good guys, they don't get their power from those things. Like lightning strikes. Don't make Sigmar stronger. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, and so it's interesting where their power is tied more to the realms specifically than any actions that happen to them so I, I mean I guess in one sense the best thing to do is just to not pray because you don't know who you're praying to because um, the, the good gods don't need it and the bad gods just take everything they can get so it's kind of an interesting thing with worship
0: I <laughs> that's probably not even listing his little gated community
1: I know yeah it's a very exclusive club that he's a part of <laughs> He's a joke. He's a joke. Can uh, we just keep hitting that note so that Vince Ventrella, when he watches this later, can kind of grind his teeth while he paints? <laughs> I had, um, I was on RantCast before, and we were talking about like how there is a certain level of moral relativism when it comes to when you have this many fighters all fighting for what they think is the right reason, Um, you get a lot of moral ambiguity. And so he made a joke about us uh, being like that. <laughs> But it, but it is true. It's very true. And, oh, uh, you and I know that, and everybody else knows that, but Vince doesn't.
0: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not starting a fight with Vince. Uh, uh, although, well, I could probably take him on, but no, I wouldn't, actually. He's taller than uh, you think. I
1: know. I know. Oh, that's right. That's right. You guys are together. Yeah.
0: Um cool. Okay. Religion, absolutely fluid, uh, yeah. but it's not fluid as well. And uh, you know, I can imagine again putting my hollow heart on for a second. Um, I am uh I'm I'm researching and I'm doing all this with like, wisdom and kind of you know trying to understand the mortal realms and and you know looking at the storm faults and all this yeah. stuff. But we know Zench is all about wisdom as well. It's all about knowledge and um, maybe I get corrupted and I kind of crack a little bit and I, I kind of slide over to the dark side in my pursuit. And that's often what happens with necromancy is studying too much of the realm of death. You kind of get to a point where you start pushing the limits of, you know, uh, healing and raising the dead and kind of mm-hmm. playing with necromancy. And I become then a, uh, I, I become –
1: Evil. yeah, yeah. It's the uh, it's the classic uh, Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park, right? They they kept thinking that they whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think of whether or not they should. You're know, like, dang. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff Goldblum.
0: <laughs> Don't talk any. There's a there's, there's a gentleman um, called Seth Cook who ha- posts uh, Seth Seth every day on my feed, and oh really? Out. Don't talk about him. Uh, but we will talk about is a question from the chat, which is around, um, is there a particular God that drives the plot the most? So we kind of alluded to it already, and it's kind of changing hands a little bit, but is there a God that um, has drived, driven the plot the most?
1: Um, it, it's, if I had to like, pick like a overall, I'd probably say Sigmar. Um, he was the most proactive God when it came to forming the Pantheon in the Age of Myth. When Chaos came into the realms, he was the one who was like, he kind of led the the pantheon for a bit, um, and then when stuff went to crap, he was the he was the one who was like, "Come to me, and I'll lock my doors, and we'll keep people safe and preserved order as much as possible." Uh, and then making the storm cast, and then all the different chambers he's released, because every other faction has kind of been in response to his thing. So, like for example, um, uh, Nagash does the necroquake; it destabilizes magic. Well, Sigmar then releases his sacrosanct chamber which is to control magic and ghosts and that kind of thing Um, and then everybody and then Ossiarch Bone Reapers was a response to that because now there's a new level of super soldier out there so um, I think he's driven the plot the most although I will say that they kind of have a shifting narrative like they'll pick uh, pick almost like a Grand Alliance and really focus on it narratively so the first year was really about order this current cycle we're in is really about death so Nagash is kind of the main character now, I would say.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. Agreed. agreed. Uh, obviously, the Archeon and Chaos is kind of, kind of coming into its own now as Nagash yep. kind of slides off. But, you know, when you mm-hmm. deep into the lore, you know, Nagash was certainly the one that had a bit of a – he was a part of the path the Pathion. Then he struggled because he didn't want to be, you know, one of the boys and he wanted to do his own thing. Yep. And there's just been this power struggle along the way. But then, Pretty much. you know, Marathi has done her own stuff, so – um it's good that we haven't focused on one, but certainly again, the, the guy who the games have named about Sigma, he's doing all the stuff.
1: For sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh um, question,
0: question from Rocco. He says, uh, how would Doug like to see destruction become a major player in the lore now that the other three Grand Alliances have had their time in the sun? I like this question.
1: Yeah, so um what I like is when when one Faction is an ascendancy, the next one comes as a direct result and pushes back on that. So, right now, we're seeing Nagash be ascendant to death, which I said before is kind of like a very single minded version of order, right? It, it is order, it's just Nagash's way. And so, his rule, his thoughts, that kind of thing. What I'd love to see is destruction as a whole rise up as a natural response of like, no, no, things are too ordered, they're too structured, right? Uh, between order and death. Everything's well too organized, so we're going to push back on that and um, buck off all of the the ownerships and and claims to lands and that kind of stuff. Um, Nagash has a current theme that's kind of reiterating about like what he deserves. So like your souls should go to to Nagash. He you know he owns them basically, um, and taking that concept of like ownership and and that kind of stuff and bucking that off. So to talk about where a good place to start with that would be. Uh, We know that a bunch of Iron Jaws raided a one of those armories that Sigmar put around, got a big ram, and are headed towards. Oh my gosh, what's the name? Excelsis, the city uh, full of stormcasts and and humans and stuff like that. So they're headed there. That would be a great one because that would be the first time someone ever went into a city like looking for trouble. Um, That would be man, that would be awesome. I'm trying to think. Uh, the bad moon.
0: I, I selfishly got my bad moon story, which is the bad moon is really slanesh, right? It's coming from the from from It is powered by slanesh. Hmm. So I'd love to see the, uh, a bit of a bit of a bit of love from the uh, the god of excess to having uh, yeah. Gits. I would definitely love
1: to see the, uh, the bad moon do more for sure. Some sexy Gits. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they they multiply like they're sexy. Oh, my gosh. Um, Trying to think. Yeah, that's my that's my big one. What I'd like to see, uh, I would love to see like a destruction arc. Really, I want Gordrak to be not on the same level necessarily as Archeon, but kind of up there, like elevated to like he is the focal point of destruction armies, just like Archeon's the focal point of.
0: Yeah, we Chaos don't, we don't have that for destruction, do we? We don't. Have, really, know. And, and to be honest, he's the only real named character. I mean, yes, we've got Scragrot, but that you know we don't have this super powerful five hundred point plus model. Um, yeah. You know, we don't have an Archeon equivalent in destruction and go- and, and yeah. um, that's probably the closest we've got
1: yeah and that's that's a shame like I wish almost that they had made uh, like a standalone model because it's cool that you have Gordrak and then you can also build him as just a mega boss on a Maw crusher but none of the other like centerpiece characters like there's no not a l'Oreal riding a beetle right nobody else gets a beetle. To transport uh the round.
0: My Lord on Zombie Dragon then became Prince of Ordry. Yes. You know, it's like dual kit's kit. like, yeah, but it's not like this super powerful orc ochre gargant grot, yep. like this amazing, crazy, powerful can handle it with Ilariol or Nagash yeah. or Pion. Um so I mm-hmm. I would love to see a destruction. And you know, like one thing I've always loved the idea about is I'd love to see humans being brought into destruction i'd love to see what tribe looks like i'd love to see what reanimated star drake might look like in death um Mm -hmm. like there's just so much possibility i think that's the the ever-expanding narrative that allows yeah yeah
1: i think um if i could ask for anything it would be a cross grand alliance army whether that's just humans and you just like handpick just a few select units from Mm -hmm. You know, Caesar Sigmar or whatever, you know, or Chaos, because they have them just normal dudes and put them in different contexts. I think would be really rad.
0: Yeah, uh, I think you know a few people are, are predicting that the if there was ever a golden faction, as Vince has called it, um, you've got the Gargans, because you can imagine in the old world you had Gargans that would work with um, the Empire. and yep. Gargans could be very um, destruction. You could have reanimated, you know, dead type Gargans, but then you could also have Chaos Gargans. So. Mm. I don't know. I'd like to see something that crosses between barriers.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah no joke.
0: Uh, two final questions, unless something else comes up in the chat. Uh, okay. One is coming from Buckets, and he's asked, uh, can you ask Doug when he's going to do his Flesh Eater Quartz army? He always gets excited t- when he talks about
1: them. <laughs> <laughs> um, from what I understand, I have... Um, as far as I know, I have access to a Flesh Eater Quartz army because... Jack from Rerolling Ones has one, Uh, and it's often been uh, bartered to me if I wanted it. It's just, man, there's so many dudes, and I just got off of painting a a Horde army, and I'm digging my Maggotkin. Plus, I just bought a whole metric ton of Seraphon, so that's coming at you. (laughs) So I don't know, (laughs) but someday I probably will.
0: And that's, a, and that's another good point is what the slans and um, the new narrative when it comes to Seraphon, mm-hmm. um, how that's coming into play.
1: Oh, you just, what, what, you ask what I feel about it? Oh,
0: uh, Sure. The, oh, that yeah. that, that uh, was more of a statement than a question, but I would love, <laughs> your, thoughts. I would love your thoughts about Seraphon.
1: Uh, I think I will say it is the best of the second edition battle tomes, By like when they, when they had a book before and then it got rewritten, it is absolutely the best uh, because they took the things in the old one, kept them. So if you if you like the first Seraphon Battletoam, functionally, you have you have not lost anything uh, in terms of lore. But what they did, it was just added to it. And really, I think, listen to what people want, which is, hey, I like Lizardmen from the old world. They were really cool. And they're like, okay, here's a way that you can do that. And it doesn't diminish anything that's with the other ones. Um, yeah, I think it was really cool.
0: Yeah, I, I was a big fan of uh, make make Saurus great again, and um, I think that, you know, like you know again coming from Warhammer Fantasy, yeah. the Saurus were the the core, and mm-hmm. the Skinks and the monsters were the specialists, and you kind mm-hmm. of saw the reverse, and no one was taking yeah. Saurus. They weren't very good, wow. uh, and it's great to see them kind of back on the table and yeah. as strong as Skinks and dinosaurs. Although I think they missed a mark, and I would have loved to have seen unridden don- dinosaurs, and I would oh, have yeah. loved. To- like a feral feral type build where uh, they might be more powerful, but they have, like, stupidity and, like, issues with bravery and maybe they don't See. do what they... It's like the squig kind of thing, right? Like their movement mm-hmm. is random as opposed to a guaranteed move.
1: For sure. Yeah, I um, I'm a huge fan of super wacky rules that are meant to portray specific things like i mean that's actually why i like necromunda so much because like it's out there with the weird stuff but it it's all to depict what would really happen so like i miss um the orcs and goblins animosity rule where like they just they just don't get along and sometimes they just like punch each other in the face if they're too close i love that stuff yeah no absolutely Test like he's roll a one and the guys just don't stand there. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, yep, he's too dumb to do anything. You're just like. So
0: oh, that in, in the feral dinosaurs. Like cool. Like do do ceraphine with no riders um, and on a roll of a one, they are stupid and they don't do anything or they don't they, they don't do what mm-hmm. you say. Um, But in turn, if they do do what you say and they and you do get you know you don't roll the one, they are more dangerous and more powerful yeah. because it's at risk versus reward. Um, yep,
1: which I'm all for. Because I'll always risk it. Because I will. I will love it when I have the bad thing backfire. You know, it's like yeah. when should you overcharge a Skaven warp lightning cannon? Those guys are so excited to be shooting that thing every time, always. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Why not? It's the same uh, as like I'm running around with squigs, and you
0: know, I, I do my Mangler squig, and yep. people people would ask me, they're like, "How powerful are these models?" And I'm like, "Look, they could be awesome. They could mm-hmm. be hot garbage." Yep. There's times where I've had my mangler squig roll uh, on a on a 3D6 move, roll four. Yep. Sometimes it rolls 18.
1: Yep. I don't know. Yep. It's it's awesome. I love it. That's um, fun. I see you. Now, uh, go ahead.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, what, uh, there are some other questions, but I want to ask you one that came up earlier that I'm not going to tell you who asked it, okay. but who is your favorite person from Rerolling Wands?
1: Ooh, you, the viewer. Um, <laughs> if, I, if you're gonna make me answer and not be dodgy about it, Jack's my boy. I I think we're on we're on the same level with a lot of things, and we just get along really well. But I love them all.
0: He's the one who asked, by the way.
1: Yeah, I know. I of course it was Jack.
0: <laughs> if you had a dream battle force, uh, what what would be in that box?
1: Ooh, I had a dream like, box. Box. Um, like like a like, like a star collecting box? Uh
0: yeah, or even like what they've done at Christmas time where they have like that big box. Uh, oh yeah, yeah.
1: Uh my dream box. Ooh, that would be man. That's real rough. They didn't ask for a specific faction. Oh, oh son of a gun. Okay. Uh I would probably honestly I'd probably go with cities of Sigmar because that seems like a hard faction to get into sometimes or can be um where it's a like a it's a like the perfect typical free guild regiment where you have you know some cannons from the iron arsenal a captain and some some dudes with guns and spears that's all that's all i got i don't have anything fancy that was that's a hard question just to pull out of the air <laughs>
0: Uh, I'm going to pick the Sons of Behemoth because I just want a cheap army when it comes
1: See, out. here's the thing about the Sons of Behemoth, right? I, when If you say to me, like, Doug, close your eyes, get excited, and then you whisper softly, all Gargan army. Like, I'm on board I instantly. But I want them to have variety in their model kits. I don't want it to be, like, just buy 10 of the same model.
0: I know, what, what I want is, yeah. again, my OG Warhammer fantasy mind, is mm-hmm. I want Gargants yep. and Halflings. Gargans and halflings. That's what I want. So I'd love little halfling troops running around. Yeah. Uh, give me some hot halfling hot pots. Give me <laughs> some chicken riding halflings. Give me some uh, some gargans who can throw my dudes. Um, throw some halflings like a cannon, and maybe I can steal an objective that way. Or um, I don't know. That's 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 my that's my dream. That's what I'd love from a narrative perspective. That's
1: awesome. Yeah. I- yeah, that's a good I can't beat that. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> let, let, me, let me pick up your uh, stone horn and throw it. Let me, let me, uh, yes, let yes. me just let me pick up a piece of terrain and throw it. I don't
1: know. I miss, Uh, I wish we had more rules for stuff like that for throwing things. I don't know why. I just I think it's awesome. It's one of the things that War Machine and Hordes has that this game does, where I'm like, why can't he throw things? <laughs>
0: actually one more one more
1: uh, crazy rule that we used to have in fantasy that I wish yeah. they
0: brought over was when you used to release fanatics, the fanatics would mow through your grots before they got to the enemy so you'd actually like imagining the the fanatics sitting at the behind of the, the ranks mm-hmm. they would start swirling they would then hit your own dudes and then hit your opponents. so uh there was I, I think you could even like roll a dice to see if they like you know parted the season like not get hit by the swirling yeah. balls um but oh that's awesome. Uh, maybe second last question. The last question is around. Uh, this is coming from Grant. Is uh, so. Question one is around the Seraphon. And okay. uh, if you were, if you were the one writing the, the third book, uh, mm-hmm. I imagine Seraphon Part Three. Uh, what would the next stages for them be after the
1: coalesced? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I mean maybe it'd be something where they integrate more into society. I mean, for some reason the only thing I can think of is like Argonians from Morrowind or Skyrim or whatever. <laughs> um, but something where they they do interact more with other races, I think is super important. Um I don't know. I'm trying to think of <laughs> trying to think of a, a funny name for them. Let's say they have like the starborn, the coalesced and like they're readmitted, you know, just back in society. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah,
0: they've, got, they've, got, they've got a corporate job and they're sitting in the office. Yeah, and exactly. Uh, yeah. Yep, Copying and. and um,
1: Use them as interns.
0: Yep. <laughs> the, the does, uh, does the runs. Uh, and then finally, the second part to that is, uh, will they have a unified race? Um, uh, will they, Or will they be, you know, star born in different realms and different things?
1: I think always different. I think going forward there's never gonna be a, a unified thing because Games Workshop <laughs> doesn't want that. I think they want everyone to have their own flavor and that kind of stuff.
0: And I think it's great to as well have that um the influence from the realm. So what does that um that shaman type lizardman look like or seraphon look like versus what does the uh you know all goo ones? Um for sure. Um, and speaking of Ulgu, actually, the last question, unless it kind of comes up really quickly, is um, if you were going to paint a uh, the Cornate Lord on Kakadrak, uh from a freaky realm of Ulgu, um, how would you go about it? So, how would you make this more shadowy? Hmm.
1: Um, so, Ulgu is a realm that we haven't really interacted with much to understand what it's like. I think that basing would tell a bigger story than any specific. I mean, like paint schemes, you can always go dark. I mean, just desaturated colors for sure. Um, I would probably put a cloak on, like a hood and a cape over the the rider to make it look like he's trying to blend in a little bit. Um, What are some other things? That's, that's basically lots of use of black and gray and the color schemes and the basing. That's about the best I can think of. Because, we do. like I said, we haven't really seen really great depictions of what it's like with modeling. So, that's a hard realm. That and Hish right now are really hard ones. The other ones are much easier.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Do you think uh, the Grand Alliances will ever go back to like fantasy where it's literally just a pile in, like everyone fights everyone? Or do you think the Grand Alliances are here to stay?
1: Um, they're here to stay, 100%. I think they're here to stay because they allow for people to have ways to play. Like they allow for games worked up to reasonably say you cannot make a wrong purchase. You know what I mean? Like e- if you are playing night Hunt and you grab that one box of Ossiark bone reapers, that looks cool. They have a method for which you can play them all together. Um, as far as uh, everybody fighting each other, like every battle tome has uh, reasonable choices as to why, they would all, they would even fight themselves. Like even the new Seraphon one is like they all, the salon see these different great plans and sometimes they conflict with one another because none of them have a crystal clear memory of what the old ones wanted them to do. And so I think the hardest one to justify is why stormcasts would fight each other. But I don't know. The space Marines has the same problem. So it's, it's just kind of a cross games workshop thing. love. <laughs> yes.
0: But speaking of the Seraphon, the last question that we're going to end the show on and then we'll wrap up is uh, about the Seraphon coming from Drake. Okay. Um, so Drake has asked, um, is Sotek, so the Lizardman Serpent God of the Old World, okay. the same God as the Dracothian one in Age of Sigmar? So the new ba- this new Seraphon battle tome seems to hint uh, at this, the Dracothian's tail and the fangs of Sotek. Um, so are they the same?
1: My understanding is no. I'm still currently going through that book. Uh, my, my lore videos got sidetracked with all the crap that's going on in the world right now. I work in healthcare. Um, so things are kind of crazy. Uh, but my understanding is no. That the Seraphon had those ideas of Dracothian. And, uh, sorry, of um, Sotek from before. Uh, and then they just kind of. They might have like. Um, I know some of the Coalesced have attributed those things to Dracothian. But I don't believe it's ever like crystallize that that is exactly what is going on um, because we know that some of the coalesced have reverted back to some of their more primal thoughts. Um, so I can give you a, a maybe <laughs> right now. The thing is, is like a lot of their, a lot of the Seraphon lore is still like conjecture. Like some scholars say blank. That's not an affirmation of that. It's just a theory. And so a lot of their stuff is theory, but um, if it does come up, it'll definitely be in a lore video.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, may, maybe to my, my perception and maybe a nice way to close this out is it's hashtag your narrative. So, <laughs> yes, yeah. So what you want to do, it is your hobby. If you, uh, if you see the world in a certain way and uh, you want to create something that is unique to yourself, your story, mm-hmm. your narrative, you read a book, you watch a video and you're inspired to explore the realms in your own way, do as you want to do. Um, don't let particular people in Games Workshop dictate your hobby at the same time feel free to use that for inspiration to explore the world how how you want to see it so if you want to have an all female Stormcast army do it if you want to have a Stormcast army come from a particular death realm and they've got death masks
1: do it yeah and I I definitely think that's an interesting one even if it's not in the book I still like that enough that maybe I would do that you know I mean because you got Warcry Warbands that all think Archeon is the avatar of you know whatever fictitious deity they come up with that is not actually in the game, you know. So why couldn't they say that Dracothian is a god beast is the avatar of Sotek or something like that? That makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, like there's
0: just so much um, you could possibly do. So. <laughs> Doug, this has been amazing. Uh, the the thing is, we could continue this conversation for a long, long, long time, and we'd still only be scratching the surface. But the yep. great news is that you've been creating videos for years now that digs into the lore that is Age of Sigma. You have mm-hmm. been digging into other game systems, um, but your Age of Sigma library is very extensive. So I'd highly recommend people check that out. I will link your getting started uh, shows uh, your playlist um yeah, yeah. From blog, so people who are exploring can start somewhere uh doug is there any shout outs anything you want to kind of wrap this session up with um any any love and respect and like check these guys out
1: yeah um so uh, if you want to see some of these narrative games in action re-rolling ones they've been in the chat uh I can see because I pulled up YouTube and um, they do great. Like a lot of their stuff is narrative based. They don't choose armies based on the most competitive, which frankly I like um, that they don't do that. So seeing some of those lore things in action is a lot of fun. Uh, As far as just encouraging people to do lore stuff, honestly uh, play path to glory and make your leaders have a background and then just build a full army from there. I think it's the best way to get attached to those miniatures in a way that's meaningful.
0: Love it, love it. And my parting, parting piece of advice is, um, if nothing more, put names on your army list when you submit them to a tournament. Just create some names and stick with them. You know, use those names over every army, and it's a simple thing. It creates a story That's and true. hopefully gets you exploring more. Um, Doug, I know you did a video not long ago where there is a company that allows you to print the names of, um, oh of, yeah, of go around your bases. So if you wanted to call, I don't know, your fearless general, I don't know, Anthony, um, yeah. you could, <laughs> could print that out and, uh, you yeah, yeah. Carry that name with you to the test of time, which is obviously great for role-playing a little mm-hmm. RP skirmish games, but also for age of Sigma. So, yeah.
1: Um, 100 percent and they uh you know some people who are more competitive are like i don't like these because they they do make your base like a millimeter bigger who cares like i i I can't imagine a person at an event actually giving a crap but the the thing that it adds is it does make them stand out like a little perfect statue and it, it just adds so much uh the company is versatile terrain if you're interested in that they're really cool so yeah it's been uh it's been awesome man thanks for you so much for having me on so oh, the the guys in the chat have it. Really enjoyed it.
0: Uh, if you haven't subscribed to Doug already, go over to his channel, smash that like that subscription button. Go like his videos. Go watch his videos. If you enjoy what he does, make sure to jump onto his Patreon as well. He's very oh, very well, thank generous, you. generous lover, a kind friend. Uh, but more <laughs> importantly, has given so much to the community over a long time and in a dark period as well, where uh, people. Uh, we're very, very, you know, negative against the the the, mm-hmm. the narrative, and you know, um, I think we've proven that there's a lot to explore, and again, we've only touched the, touched the surface. So, I hope you've enjoyed the show, Doug. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you've enjoyed it, please do comment below. Let us know what you think. What Azir looks like as well. I want to, I'm curious oh, to yeah. know what people think what uh, Azir might look like in their world.
1: Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me on.
0: Thanks, guys. Have a great rest of your week.